Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Okay, thanks, Brendan. Um, all right, I just want to welcome everybody to the Charlestown group, and uh, this is our group meeting, our Thursday night regular meeting. We have uh, four members here with us tonight, myself, Sean, Tom, and John. So um, what we're going to do is just run this as a regular meeting, and Art uh, B. from Atlanta, Georgia, is going to uh, be the... Uh, share so he's going to be like sharing at our meeting tonight and um so what we do is we will um do our usual open with serenity prayer and so we want to do a reading as well yeah we should do a reading shouldn't we like just follow our little format from the white book so hang on i just get the book can't see John. We don't know if he's really there. Is he there? John, I'm put in there where we see, where we see you. Say hello to the people. Come on, come here, right there, John. Say, say hello I'm to here. the people. I've seen you. Not again. Not again. Okay, here we go. Right, what we'll do is we'll just run it like a regular meeting. I think that's the best thing to do. And we'll get you to be our, do the long share art. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay, so um, would anybody like to do the meeting? Right forehead? Okay. Okay, good evening. My name is Colin. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. Hi, this is a close. And everybody else online. Uh, this is a closed meeting. Only those desiring personal sessions of writing, please. And uh, Sean, would you read what is uh, the essay purpose, please? Okay, my name is Sean, I'm a sexaholic. Sean. The essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is to desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Thanks, John. Um, Tom, would you read uh, what is the sex like? Uh, what is a sexaholic and what is sexual sobriety? We can only speak for ourselves. The specialized nature of sexaholics anonymous can best be understood in terms of what we call the sexaholic. Uh, the sexaholic has taken himself or herself out of the whole context of what is right or wrong. Where she has lost control, no longer has the power of choice, and is not free to stop. Lust has become an addiction. Our situation is, that, is like that of the alcoholic who can no longer tolerate alcohol and will stop drinking altogether, but is hooked and cannot stop. So it is with the sexaholic or sex drunk who can no longer tolerate lust and cannot stop. Thus, for the sexaholic, any form of sex with himself or with partners other than the spouse is progressively addictive and destructive. We also see that lust is a driving force behind our sexual acting out. And true sexuality includes progressive victory over lust. 
these conclusions were forced upon us in the crucible of our experiences of recovery. We have no other option. We found that acceptance of these facts is the key to a happy and joyous freedom we could otherwise be This will also discourage many inquirers who admit to sexual obsession or compulsion. We seek the most controlled and joyous. Which is the most controlled and enjoy drinking. And to be able to point out the most. To be really honest with the people who are not. It's Anonymous is for those who know that no other option to stop, and their only life is of interest was telling this. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. So, as we're online, I'm just going to ask the members to share their sobriety dates, but not do powers. Is that okay? And let's take a minute to introduce ourselves by first name, say the into our sexual sobriety. I'll begin and we'll go around the room and call. Exhalic Sober since the 6th of January 97. Thank you. I'm Sean, uh, Sexaholic Sober since the 21st of August 2017. Uh, Tom, Sexaholic, Sober since the 25th of August 2017. My name is John, I'm a Sexaholic, and I'm Sober since the 6th of 2017. My name's Arne, I'm a Sexaholic, I've been Sober since August 1985. Thanks, Arne. Will you please join me with the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity accept the things that cannot change. Or exchange things that can. So, um, this evening we're going to just ask our guest speaker, who has been beamed in by the wonders of the internet, Art B, all the way from the uh, US, and we're meeting here in Charlestown to share his experience, strength, and hope with us and uh, I'm delighted to have you with us today Art and thanks for taking the time and uh, we're really looking forward to hearing your uh, experience, strength and hope with us this evening and I'd just like to welcome everybody who's online from all the different parts of the world um, we've had members from Peru, Africa, Egypt right around the world listening in today so so far so good it's been a great day for me, thank you so I'll hand you over to Art Thanks Carl I just want to say it's great to be back in Ireland. Uh, my wife and I lived in Ireland uh, from 2008 to 2010. Uh, we lived at the other, on the other coast. We lived in County Louth uh, near Dundalk, and uh, we loved Ireland. And I especially have warm feelings about the Irish Fellowship. Uh, they, they really loved us and uh, helped me to stay sober. My name is Art, and I'm a sexaholic. There. Uh, sometimes when I call another member, or another member calls me, we're checking in, <clears throat> the other member says, how are you doing, Art? And I'll say, I'm doing well. I'm acting like a grown-up today. Now, uh, it's a little strange for a man in his late 70s to be talking about acting like a grown-up. But in fact, uh, I have been emotionally, uh, emotionally stunted in my growth. And uh, it's a marvelous thing for me to act like a grown-up. Uh, in my adolescence, early in adolescence, I felt really isolated uh, I had a, a form of obsession and behavior, uh, and I, I gave a word to it. I had a vocabulary, and I gave a word to myself, and the word was pervert. I called myself, only to myself, not to anyone else, I called myself pervert. And I thought I was the only person in the world like me. Uh, I was totally isolated. I wanted to relate to the other children my age, but I really couldn't form a friendship with anybody. I wanted to relate to the girls my age, but I was scared to death of them. Uh, I felt 
I felt dirty, unworthy, alone, and afraid. And uh, I couldn't imagine anybody who would want to know me. And therefore, I didn't let anybody know me. Excuse me. I built a wall around myself. Now, I had, on the outside, I had this facade that I'll call good old art. It was a, it was a, uh, a friendly kid, a little bit shy, uh, but could crack a joke and, uh, and liked to spend time with the other kids if I could. But I always felt that I was different. Uh, I, I desperately want, wanted to date girls, wanted to kiss the girls, uh, wanted to handle the girls. Uh, but I was afraid. And, uh, and that's one of my character defects, fear, fear of the disapproval of others. Uh, fear of rejection. Uh, so I was a pretty miserable kid. As I grew older, and I'm not going to say as I matured because I didn't mature, but as I grew older, uh, I came to feel that that the the solution for my misery was marriage. Uh, if I could get a wife, and uh, uh, have, therefore, all the sex I wanted, uh, and have that companionship that I craved, uh, that I would be normal. I thought a wife would make me normal. So I was desperate to get married. But that was a problem because I couldn't relate to girls. Uh, so uh, I would get I would get friendly with a girl. I might uh, date a girl a couple of times, but if she had any any bit of healthy uh, any bit of healthy development in herself, she would sense something in me, and, and it was the wall. She would sense that uh, that I was blocking. And uh, so I, I really couldn't relate to girls very well. And the girls who were interested in pursuing romance with me, uh, with my perverse thinking, I thought there must be something wrong with her if she's interested in me. So uh, I had a catch-22 there. Uh, in my late 20s, I finally convinced a woman to marry me. Uh, she... She thought it was, she thought she wasn't ready for it. Uh, and I think she was probably right. But I wore her down. That's my, that's my memory of it. I, I just wore her down. Uh, why? Because I was desperate to get married. I thought it would make me normal. So uh, this woman married me, and it didn't make me normal. Uh, furthermore, it began to reveal how absolutely dysfunctional I was in relating to other people uh, because I could not relate to her, this supposedly intimate relationship, uh, husband and wife. Uh, I, I couldn't really function in it. Uh, I couldn't communicate with my wife. I couldn't tell her what I wanted because I was afraid of rejection. I felt unworthy. Uh, I couldn't hear her say what she wanted because I had all this static in my brain and I was trying to figure out how to get what I wanted. Uh, and, and I'm not just talking about sex, but I'm talking about what I wanted in everyday life. Uh, I couldn't communicate it. And so my way of working my way through the marriage was uh, manipulation. 
I, I tried by indirect means to get my wife to want what I wanted. Uh, and that's really hard work if you can't come out and ask somebody directly for something. If you have to indirectly suggest to them that this is something they, they, they would want to do. Uh, but that was the that was the way I went about things. When my wife was direct with me, uh, I I tended not to respond very well because I wanted to be in control. And by the way, that was part of my image of marriage. I thought the man should be in control, and uh, so I wanted all the good ideas to come from me. Uh, and this is not just with, with my first wife, whom I'm talking about now, but really with anybody I was associated with. Uh, whenever somebody came up with an idea, my first response was to analyze it, take it apart, and see what was wrong with it and how I could make it better. So I just couldn't accept the ideas from people. And that was the case with my first wife. She had an idea. I had to turn it around and show her the problems with it. And then I might come up with an idea that borrowed from her idea, uh, but, but was a better idea. Uh, so I was, I was a critic. Uh, it must have been rough living with me. And that marriage was rough. Uh, that marriage lasted 10 years. And uh, uh, it was a very rough marriage. Why did it last 10 years? Well, one thing, I was stubborn. I didn't want to admit failure. And if, if, I, if my marriage ended, that would mean I failed at it. Uh, besides, I thought if my marriage ended, then I would be more dangerous than ever because I would be out there without a woman. So uh, it, was a, it was a miserable marriage. I, I don't know what my first wife what her, what her memory of it is now, uh, but it was a miserable marriage. And for the last, oh, and by the way, my wife and I went to marriage counseling for three years. Uh, we went, uh, we drove some distance to marriage counseling. At that time, we lived in a small town in the middle of Georgia. And uh, we went to marriage counseling. Uh, first, we went every week. Uh, we had two children, uh, and that was, that was rough. Uh, having ch- getting child care, uh, we went every every week, and then after a while, we went every two weeks. But we went a total of three years, and uh, it didn't uh, save the marriage, but uh, but we were both motivated to save it, and and it began to open me up. Uh, out of that marriage. I had the gift of two beautiful children, a boy and a girl. Uh, I was, uh, by my memory, I was a very poor father. Uh, they, uh, I perceived my children more as distractions from what I wanted to think about than anything else. Uh, uh, I think I did the best I could with them, but that wasn't very good. Uh, and, and I've already said I was not a good husband to my wife. Uh, that marriage did end. Uh, and when I got out of it, two things. One, the marriage counseling. And for the first time in the marriage counseling, I revealed to my first wife uh, some of my some of my dysfunctional sexual behavior and obsessions. Uh, And I don't think it registered very well with her. I think uh, she was distracted herself. I don't think uh, that registered very much, but, but it was important for me to, uh, to admit that to her. And the other thing is that during that period, I learned that I had alcoholism in my family. And uh, so I went to an open AA meeting and uh, uh, learned that I was an Al-Anon. 
that is someone who has alcoholism in their family or friends. And uh, so I, I began to go to open AA meetings, went to Al-Anon meetings as well. But I went to more open AA meetings than Al-Anon meetings. I went to more open AA meetings than, than uh, many alcoholics. I, I really did a lot. And I didn't know what was, why I felt so at home in AA meetings. Uh, now I know because alcoholism is an addiction. And I was an addict. But I didn't know I was an addict. I had spent all those decades saying to myself, just give me time. I'll, I'll figure this out. Just give me time. I'll figure it out. I never figured it out. Uh, I just thought I was a pervert and that I was dirty and unworthy. Uh, so I, uh, I was divorced uh, after 10 years and uh, started courting, uh, really started looking around at women right after I divorced uh, and started courting my present wife, my second wife, uh, within a year after my divorce, which is too soon. Uh, but I was motivated to some extent by the same motivation, that is, the desire to make myself normal. Uh, so uh, I got married for the second time, and uh, I was not sober, and I don't recommend that. I recommend people get sober before they get married, but, uh, but I didn't know about the program. Uh, and this was in the early 80s. Uh, so there wasn't much program, but I didn't know about it anyway. Uh, so within about two years after I got married for the second time, uh, I learned that there were people who got together and uh, called themselves addicts and worked the 12 steps about their sexual obsessions and behavior. And, and I said, oh, that's it. I'm an addict. And that was a wonderful light going on uh, in my life. Uh, and I realized that's why I felt so comfortable with the alcoholics. And I thank God for the, for the alcoholics because it was after an open AA meeting that a guy came up to me started telling me about these sex addicts. Uh, so it, God used AA uh, to lead me to this program. So uh, now I have known many people who come into the program and say, oh, I, I, I'm three weeks sober. My brain is, is clearing uh, everything looks clearer to me. I'm, I'm not so I'm not so jumbled and distracted. That didn't happen for me. I got sober uh, sometime at the end of July 1985, and I my sobriety date is August 1st, 1985, because that's a nice number to remember. Uh, but I did not become a rational calm, happy human being after I got sober. Uh, in some ways, I was crazier. And I, could, I could analyze it. I'll just say I think I was feeling feelings that uh, after I got sober that I, I, I numbed out on when I was acting up and uh, didn't know how to deal with feelings. I did not know how to deal with feelings. I... Uh, I would go into rages. That's something I didn't do when I was acting out. I didn't go into rages because I kept myself numb. I would go into rages. I would rage at my wife. I would rage at my, rage at my children. Uh, and I knew that I didn't want to do that. But uh, 
I was really acting crazy. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I was emotionally abusive to my children. Uh, I would yell at them. Uh, I could not, I, I could not accept they were acting like children. Uh, and I had to work the program in my relationship with my children. I actually have called a member, uh, and I called a member just like I would call a member to give away lust. I've actually called a member and, and said to him, I want to grab, I want to throttle one of my children and slam him up against the wall. Uh, I have actually said that. Now, fortunately, I didn't say it to the child. Uh, I said it to another member uh, whom it didn't hurt. And uh, I did things like that, and it helped me not to physically abuse the children. I didn't physically abuse the children, but I emotionally abused them. I yelled at them. Sorry, Andre, could you mute your microphone? Thanks. Uh, so I was emotionally abusing my children. I had worked the steps a couple of times by uh, at, at that point, but I, I don't know where I got this idea, but I decided to work the steps on my relations with my children. The steps changed me. I started to work the steps, and I did them in order. Uh, I did the first step uh, where I talked about how, how I treated my children, uh, how I, I was out of control when, when they acted like children. Uh, and I, when I had written up my first step, I, I asked for time in my local meeting, and uh, I read my first step to the group, got their feedback. I did that with every step. Uh, and with every step, I, I used the group for monitoring and support. Uh, and in the course of working the steps, and this took me maybe a year and a half, in the course of working the steps, uh, my behavior towards my children changed. Now, I don't know how the steps work, but the steps changed me. Uh, my behavior towards my children changed. I was able to stop yelling at them and at my wife. Uh, and uh, that's, that, that's just a dynamite fact for me. Uh, now, I want to talk about my relations with my wife and with others. Uh, and I talked about what it was like, uh, misery for me and for my first wife and for my two children and for my second wife early in my sobriety and for my, had two more children, another boy, another girl. Uh, so uh, misery for them as well. That's what it was like. What happened? I worked the steps. And I think it's important for us always to give, <clears throat> give proper emphasis to the third part uh, that we find in the big book, what it's like now. Uh, I have worked on being a good listener to my wife for more than 20 years. Uh, and I've had lots of practice. My wife has had some very stressful jobs. And, uh, and I've been the one that she reported the stresses to. And I was able to listen. Uh, I was able to listen almost all the time. Occasionally, uh, it would get too much for me. And I would say to her, uh, I'd like to take a break from listening now. 
So I had to, I had to set a boundary from time to time. But I practiced it being a listener. Uh, my wife and I, uh, marvelous thing, we can travel together. Uh, my first wife and I, uh, our honeymoon was was a knockdown, drag out battle. Uh, we, in our first apartment, we decided to clean the apartment together, and uh, we we couldn't agree on how to do anything. Uh, we could not work together. The main problem was me. Uh, I thought I should be in control, and she thought she ought to have some control. So uh, my first wife and I couldn't cooperate. Uh, but but I can work with my present wife. Uh, and uh, I mentioned traveling together. In September, we did a two-week vacation, and we went out west to three national parks in uh, Utah, Wyoming, and Montana. And uh, we stayed at six different places during the two weeks, uh, just about wore out two rental cars. And, uh, and the whole trip, we worked it out together. Uh, we, we give and take. If one of us was driving and was going to make a turn, the other would say, I don't think this is the right turn. I think you need to, I think you need to go straight ahead. And the other one would accept. Okay, well, let's, let's look at the map. Uh, in other words, we acted like grown-ups. Now, it's a wonderful thing for me to act like a grown-up, uh, to show some emotional maturity. Uh, I, uh, I was uh, uh, okay, bringing it up to date. Uh, my wife yesterday said, uh, uh, Art, you're a good man. And, and we, say, we say that kind of thing to each other frequently, uh, expressions of gratitude for each other. It's, it's part of our marriage. Uh, and I thanked her. And then she said, and here's the, uh, here's the other edge. Uh, she said, I was just looking on, looking on the Internet on domestic violence. And she said, you never engaged in domestic violence but she said, you were really hard to live with. And I agreed. So there's a, uh, there's a, there's a confirmation that I'm telling you the truth, that I was no sweetheart. Uh, speaking of the, 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 the sixth to the ninth steps, uh, the, I said I did the, all the steps with my children. The eighth in the ninth steps, uh, I I went to each of my children and uh, and told them that I had been a a negative, controlling father when they were young, and uh, that I had sometimes been sarcastic with them, and uh, and I asked their forgiveness and. Uh, with three of the four children, uh, I, I, it looked to me like they had heard what I was saying and they knew what I was talking about. And uh, they said, uh, sure, sure, uh, no problem. Uh, the fourth child, my youngest child, uh, as I used to call her, the biggest troublemaker I produced uh, because uh, she has a strong will, and she was the one that, that, that most resisted my control when she was a child. Uh, and when I made an amends to her, uh, when I made an amends to her, I, I, the first time I did it, she just blew it off. She said, nah, no problem. And it, it, it didn't seem like she even heard me. And uh, so I accepted that for a time. And a little later, I saw another opportunity to uh, 
I'm just about to finish up. Saw another opportunity to make an amends to her. And I did. And once again, she blew it off. So I let it go. And uh, sometime later, saw a third opportunity. And uh, it was a situation where I could I could uh, apologize for my behavior in that situation. And I could and I could say that uh, that this is behavior that I've tried to change and that uh, uh, I regretted that she had to put up with me as a as an overly directed father for uh, for during during her childhood. And that time she heard me because she opened up and blasted me and for about 20 minutes complained of all that she had to put up with as my child. And uh, for the 20 minutes, I stood there, maintained eye contact, uh, nodded from time to time when appropriate. And uh, when she finished, I thanked her. And uh, uh, in some ways, I have the closest relationship with that child of any of them. Uh, I practice with my children uh, since I was such a directive, such a controlling father when they were young. I practice uh, an acronym that I call KIMSA. Uh, keep your mouth shut, Art. Uh, when uh, when my they're all adults now, uh, well into adulthood. When uh, when they tell me uh, their plans. Uh, sometimes I'll think to myself, well, I wouldn't do it that way. But I don't even tell them, I don't even share most of the time what my experience is. Most of the time I just listen. And I say to myself, Kimsa, keep your mouth shut, Art. It's time for me to listen. I did too much speaking when they were young. Now, the great thing is, occasionally one of them will actually ask for my advice. Uh, and and then then I'm allowed to talk, but mostly it's Kimsa. And you know, I find when I'm out relating to other people, uh, other sexaholics or Earth people on the street, uh, there are a lot of times when people will say things, and my critical faculty will start to go into operation. I'll start to think uh, mm, that's not quite right. But I say Kimsa, and I just listen. And uh, I find that the world is operating just as well if I don't try to straighten people out. Uh, So it makes me a happier person. I'll quit there. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Art. Thanks very much for sharing, Art. Really great to hear you. And uh, we uh, got a lot of of that. It's really good. Thanks so much. Um, we'll come to the sharing part for me now, so um, we'll just share and uh, in participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual description and sexual abuse of language. The emphasis on honesty, healing, and recovery, and how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily life. So our meetings are open for sharing. Thank you. Are you going to apply the three-minute rule there, or just to stick with that and have somebody with the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Yeah. So, if you've got somebody as a timekeeper, have you? Yeah, you got someone to sign. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Three minutes. We like the sound of silence, as you can see. <laughs> Normally, the guys in the in the local group would be opening up by now, sort of, you know. So maybe the local group could open up yeah, for us. Yeah. 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 Yeah
John's going to take the lead. Yeah, yeah. Lead from the back here. Um, thanks, Harf, for my name. Thanks, Harf. My name is John. I'm a sexaholic. And, uh, Hi, John. It was good listening to you. you know. I could identify there a lot with your, with your um, childhood. You know. I suppose I was the same. You know. I'm a recovering alcoholic as well. But I had this addiction too, I'd say. The day was talking over there. Like you and the girls, I couldn't ask girls, you know. I was always shy and withdrawn and no self-esteem or no self-worth, you know. And uh, in my later years, then I went dancing and I couldn't ask girls to dance. And, you know, so it was just all my life, you know. I was, you know, just not myself, you know. fed up myself and depressed and, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know. And... Uh, but um, this was the greatest thing I'd done was come in here, you know. I was um, actually I was 24 years without a drink, and then after I left down the drink and I took up this. So I was, I'm about 25 years at this, you know, and uh, my addiction was escorts, you know, and uh, I travel all over the place, you know, to get my fix, you know, and I'm married as well, and I have a little girl, you know, and I would have no. I wouldn't be able to bring the girl to football or soccer. Or I'd have no time, you know. And I go in and act out, you know. And uh, then when I come out, you know, I want to go back in again. And you know, the addiction was, you know, I never was never fulfilled. You know, I wanted more and more, you know. And uh, so, as I said, this this is great, you know, since I came in here. But now, this last two days, I've been the addiction is at me, you know, and. Uh, I haven't been that well this last two days, you know, the, the addiction wants to, it's, it's constant in my mind, you know, wanting to act out. And uh, so that's where I'm at at the moment. But I, it was good listening to you, you know, I, I could identify you, you know, your life, you know, just not being yourself. And, you know, I was the same. I could never fit in or be myself. Even going to school, I could never learn or, you know, I was, you know, I just wasn't able, you know, and, uh, but I'm grateful to be sober, you know. My life has changed since I came in here, you know. I, my life is completely different, you know. And, uh, you know, I can do things today. And I'm with my daughter, you know. As I said, every place she goes, now I'm with her. And she's into the dancing. And I'm I'm with her every place. She, every weekend she goes, I'm with her, you know. And I don't say before, I'd say no. But now I do say yes. So progress there, you know. So that's where I'm at at the moment. But I'm, I'm just grateful to be sober, you know. And uh, and at the steps, you know, I have a sponsor as well, and I'm I'm working the steps now. I'm doing the I'm on the eighth step, you know. But I didn't get around to that yet. But I'm started, but I haven't finished. So so that's where I'm at at the moment. So I I leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, this is Indre Sixaholic. Um, oh, it's working. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry about the interruption earlier on. Um, Art, it was wonderful to hear you. Um, I have memories of of your shares going back many, many years in um, conventions in the States. And I just wanted to confirm that I, I've been practicing, I haven't had a name for it, but your um, Kimsha, keep your mouth shut, Art, and in my case, keep your mouth shut, Indre, um, <laughs> for some time um, and uh, so I, I sit in meetings uh, with with my wife we we work together um, and for, 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 for some of you may remember that I actually um, handed over all my responsibilities in our organization to her and um, I, I sit there and I watch what's going on inside me not what's going on inside her. And boy, uh, it's a mix of, of um, self-centeredness, self-pity, um, what's the word, uh, pride at being ignored. And I, I, when I stop to look at what's going on inside, I can be a real, a real mess. But if I'm actually mouthing off at her or making some kind of clever comment, rather, I don't get to to hear any of this from from my insides and so i i 
just want to confirm that this is a very powerful tool um, in in a relationship. And it doesn't require uh, my wife to do anything, to make any changes at all. All the changes are on my side of the street. And it works. Thank you. Thanks, Andre. Thanks, Eric. I'm Carl. Thanks, Holly. Hi, Carl. And, uh, really good to hear you. And uh, hello. it was um, great to know you as well. And uh, great to know you for many years now since you came to Ireland with Rose. And, you know, it's been uh, uh, it's been a real treat to have you over, actually. And I hope you'll come back soon again. Um, so, um, uh yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's the same for me. Like, my behavior at home is really important that I keep that really high standard, you know. And, um, you know, my kids are teenagers. They can, uh, you know, they can push my buttons and, you know, a bit of attitude here and there. And, and uh, um, you know, I just let it pass, you know. Um, uh you know, my daughter is very high standards, actually, and she's always on time. And I'm always kind of a little bit late, so she kind of gives out to me a lot. So I asked her yesterday, would you mind not giving out to me for 30 days? <laughs> Which didn't work too good, but I asked any. But today, today she didn't do it, and there was a change, actually, and she's been really pleasant today. So I don't want to be treated like a doormat either, but, um, have, you know, at the time of kind of when I feel any kind of disturbance inside me, that's not the time to speak. Um, I've got to wait until all that disturbance is settled down, pray about it, and then then uh, sort of ask my higher power to um, inspire me with the right words and say it in a very kind of friendly way. You know, like, hey, would you mind? Or would you be able to? Or, you know, what I'd really like is, you know, something like that. So it's not like stop talking like that or I'm not being you know, responding to kind of aggression with aggression is, is not a good recipe for me at all. Um, and uh, sometimes I just let people blow their top, as you say, and, and pray and, you know, wait for them to calm down. Maybe a couple of days later say, well, you know, I don't know about that really. Or, you know, um, you know, say it, in, say it in a very non-threatening way. Um, non-judgmental way really because I can be very judgmental and very critical of others so um, controlling you know and I'm not I'm changed I've had to change all that stuff and um, you know when I got married first a lot of anger you know and as Mike C said today he said the anger was there before I got married just you know it came up when my wife kind of did things or did something I didn't like or you know wanted a shelf put up in the kitchen and I didn't and I just get angry about it. Um, and a lot of it was immaturity, really, not being willing to see things from the other person's point of view. Um, and as somebody said, I want everybody to be a clone of me. I want the world to be full of clones of Kahal, you know, and all the people to do what I think is best and say what I believe is best and act like I act and agree with me all the time. And when they don't, I don't like it. Um, I have to live in the world where people are different and my wife is different than I am. She's different worldview, she's different opinions and, and I choose to still, you know, still accept her the way she is and show her love and kindness and, and uh, not expect her to feel the same. She may not feel the same, I don't know, but, you know, I can't, I suppose the thing is I can't control others. Um, and it's been a growth, journey of growth, like working the steps and trying to keep the focus on myself. So that I'm the one who can change, as Indre said, like I'm the one who has to do the work. I have a program. It's up to me to work it. My program isn't the first step isn't about, oh, we need to change the other person to suit me. You know, it's up to me to change and accept the other person as they are right now, as God's you know, one of God's children. And nothing happens in this world, you know, as the third step says, nothing you know, the big book, nothing happens in this world, only that God, you know, wills should has it the way it should be right now. And I've got to try and grow with that. And I'm resistant sometimes, very resistant to growing. Um, and, uh, but I don't have to act out over it. That's the main thing, you know. And this week, you know, 
my car engine blew up. Um, you know, some other financial stuff happened. And then yesterday I went down to the bank machine and it just took my money and didn't give me any money back. You know, I was going, <laughs> God, God doing this to me. Why are you doing this to me, God? But God isn't doing it to me. It's just life, you know, um, life on life's terms. And I've got to accept it the way it is. You know, thanks. Please go on. Thanks, Cahill. My name's John. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, John. And yeah, thanks, Art. It was good. Good listening to you. And uh, yeah, I could identify with some of your story, but also what I like is you talk about your relationships and uh, you know working this in the home. And you know, for me, uh, you know, being physically sober or, or just not acting out, it's it's absolutely important. But uh, you know, if, if I want to know how sober I really am, it's ask the people that I live with. You know, that's that's the real barometer. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I've always got to remember. And, you know, talking about steps six through nine, yeah, uh, I can very quickly forget my defects of character and my shortcomings, you know, especially, uh, you know, now that, now that I'm sober a while, I can say, oh, you know, I can take the foot off the pedal here. I can take a day off, you know, and uh, do I have to keep making amends? And, and the reality is, yes, I do. You know, I'm going to be living my amends probably for the rest of my life. And I'm not saying that in a way that I'm, I'm beating myself up. It's just a statement of fact, you know, after the, the impact that my my disease and my acting out has had on my, my family is is massive, you know. And, uh, and as I say, my, my memory can be very short when it comes to that. And uh, particularly when things have gone well in life and, you know, I can just say, ah, you know, uh, yeah, don't need to make amends today. You know, I can, I can just kind of think about Sean today instead for a while. But, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, so it was good to, to hear that message and, and, you know, that it's an ongoing thing, just working the, the relationships in the home and, and outside the home with, with people. Uh, and as you said, it's not, it's not about me anymore. Uh, you know, I'm not the center of the universe. And, uh, yeah, so it's good, good to good to hear, and good to to be here online like this. Uh, great to be hearing a few different voices from around the world. And I'll leave it at that. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. How you doing? I'm Tom. Thanks, Alec. Hi, Tom. Yeah, great to hear. And thanks for sharing. Seven months sober. But uh, I think it's been the worst seven months, the best seven months I've ever had. So, uh, my head is starting to clear. Tom, could you talk? Could you talk a little louder? I'll come closer. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, will I start again? Mm. Right. Thanks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm seven months over now, so it's it's been um, a real change in my life. This is like the first time I think I, well, I've ever been sober. So, um, if on my head used to be like a washing machine going around in a circle, and it's very self-absorbed, very self-pity kind of. Like I identified growing up with with what you were saying too, because um, I always felt different. I kind of never fitted in. Never really knew why, and could never really deal with it. So I think I ended up kind of fighting with myself a good bit, not being able to relax, not being able to, not being able to be present in in relationships. And there was always a kind of a level I think I never went past where I kind of would have a front, and that would be it. So I'd never get really intimate or share a lot of my feelings, and. Uh, um, but since coming to this program, I think it's it's been the first time I think I've been able to go back and deal with stuff and kind of found a level, found a sense of contentment and a bit of calm. Um, and it's it's really helped to really clear my head. So everything's going in the right direction for me. So I'll just leave it at that. And uh, thanks for Please, Tom. Please, Dan.
Is Jude still there? Thanks, Tom. Is Jude still with us? Okay, we've got um, four minutes, Art, if you want to threaten you want to yeah, share Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, Jude can is there. Can you hear Great. me, yes, Can you hear me? Hey, yes. I didn't know if you could hear me or not. Hey. Um, yeah. This is fantastic. Um, I'm actually sitting in the car. I just was driving and somehow the the internet stayed connected the whole way so I could hear everything. So, yeah. um, so that's brilliant, Art. Thank you very much. And um, I really, some of it I... I could kind of, I could kind of grasp, but I suppose the, the feeling of not being right, um, I can completely identify that. That there was something wrong with me from my earliest memory. I didn't, I always felt on the outside looking in, um, or that I just didn't fit in. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't know what to say really. Uh, I just, I'm just kind of blown away by this thing um, that we're all connected. I'd usually be at the Charlestown meeting, but I can't get there on Thursday night. And um, I actually connected in earlier because I was at home and um, I could hear Nicholas's share as well and Brendan and all the guys were on that as well. So that was really cool. And uh, it's nice to hear Indre there over in Transylvania. And um, it's just, it's just um, I'm kind of marveling that, that we're all doing this and that, you know, that all the members in Charlestown were able to share as well. And um I'm a sick man. I'm sick with lust. Um, today, just to get current, there's a girl at work, there's a Polish girl at work, and she's very attractive, and she's in my thoughts. So I need to surrender her over. And um, I'm glad, I'm just glad to be to be a part of this fellowship. I got that that nice feeling right now of being a part of something that's huge and global, and not just, you know, like that we're all... We were all isolated people growing up, and now we've somehow found our, found ourselves and our people, and uh, we're all connected again. And it's a lovely feeling. I'm just glad that um, I walked in the door of SA there about eight years ago. And um, I'm just a lucky man, and uh, I leave it at that. Thanks. Thanks, Jude. Thank you. Thanks, Jude. Thank you very much. Uh, we're just coming to the end of our meeting now. And I just want to thank Art very much for uh, sharing and anybody else who shared as well. And um, we're just going to basically um, finish with one gratitude each and then a serenity prayer. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. So I'll just share it. Thanks. I'm just really grateful for the whole thing that worked really well here today and to see everybody online, all our old friends. And thank you for being there. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, my name is John. I text Alec and grateful to be here and grateful for you for, for you doing your talk. And I leave it at that. Thank you. Tom, thanks, Alec. Yeah, grateful to be sober, grateful to be here, grateful to Bound well, SA. And I'll leave it at that. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Sean, sexaholic, and uh, just grateful for fellowship and recovery. And thanks, Art, for your talk. My name's Art, and I'm a sexaholic, and I'm grateful my voice held out. Grateful my voice didn't leave me. Thanks. I'm uh, in uh, um, I just my name is We can't hear you, Jude. Sorry, um my name I thought I interrupted Indra. Yeah, uh, my name is Jude and I'm a sexaholic. And I'm just grateful for um grateful to be to have found SA. I'll leave it at that. There you go. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Uh, this is Andre, uh, sexaholic. I'm just looking at you in little boxes on my screen and just thinking, what an amazing technology this is. I, I have a bit of a hang-up with technology uh, generally, and uh, it's wonderful to be able to see you here in, on my screen. Thank you. Thanks, Andre. Um, grateful that, uh, great. Can you hear me by the way? Yes. Yep. Good. Um, I'm super grateful for Sim, uh, Sim 2018. It's been amazing and will keep being amazing. Um, and, uh, are I really related to your story? I'm going to keep the, uh, the, uh, what'd you call it? Kimsa, Kimsa in my head. Thanks. Thanks, Jim.
Okay, after a moment of silent meditation, I'd just like to ask Art to lead us in a prayer of his choice. Thank you, Art. The third step prayer. Okay. Come on. Uh, I offer myself to be built with me. Be with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, so that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. <laughs>